We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You want to follow me on Twitter? And it's Friday, January 20th. And you know what time it is? It's Fighting Friday. It's we're fighting. We're well, we're not fighting, but uh, they're, they're going to be fighters tomorrow. They're down in Brazil for the UFC pay per view. And we'll be talking about that on today's show. The, the only free MMA content I believe we have here at Roto Grinders. If you want the premium stuff, Subscribe to Roto Grinders Combo Premium. You get the MMA, you get the NBA, you get the NFL, the playoff stuff. We got all the playoff stuff. We got MLB when that comes back. Soccer, PGA, college basketball, all the projections, all the ownership, all the premium shows, the premium content, the articles, everything. Click on that link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. We had uh, Mike H three Buddha and uh, Liam doing the the premium MMA podcast. They'll be uh, they they they'll be out today. They break down all the fights. We have the expert survey. We got uh, Liam's, uh, you know, fight fight breakdowns and betting picks and everything everything you need for this pay per view. Fifteen fights. It's a big card. It's a big damn card, and there probably will be a lot of finishes. So we'll talk about that in a second. Good morning to the chat. Wataz here early. Suki Singh is apparently dead. Is he on vacation? Typically, typically those those are the two early birds. Wataz and Suki Singh. I don't know. Wataz has to has to reach out to Suki and see what's going on. Defix here, Kickstar Trevor, Matt Mears, the regulars, the regulars are here. Hit that thumbs up button. You know how much I like the thummy thumbs in the morning. This MMA card. Remember last week we didn't do Friday Fighting Friday because I wasn't playing that slate because of the Rainmakers editions. It wasn't very good. It was eleven fight card anyway. So I, I, my my policy typically typically is is that if I'm not playing the slate, I'm not I, I'm not going to break it down. I'm not going to, because if I'm not putting money on it, I don't know. I don't know. This is what I would do, but I have $0 on it. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of a stickler like that. Like I'm, I'm, I need to have action 
in some fashion if I'm gonna if I'm gonna dole out my strategic advice. But uh, I am playing tomorrow. I'm playing eight lineups. Remember now with late swap, I'm focusing more on the smaller field contests: the five fifty-five, the two hundred dollar three max, the hundred dollar single entry stuff like that. The 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 qualifiers. Those types of contests, because uh, I think there's more of an edge in late swap in those. The the $25 large field, you're still pretty much going to have to find the nuts, right? So late swap may be not as important. And uh, Ryan Moth asks, Are, am I not doing the pod with Liam and Mike? No, no, not anymore. I'll come on every once in a blue moon. Once in a blue moon, I'll be on. Uh, my Thursday nights are now now occupied. So so it's hard, it's hard for me to, to find the time to record. That's why I still do this show, right? That's why I still do... Friday mornings on the DFS pregame show, the MMA breakdown, more from a strategic standpoint, not necessarily a fight fight breakdown standpoint. Uh, so if you got any questions about the UFC card tomorrow, let me know in the YouTube chat. If you got any questions about DFS strategy in general, remember, other than Fridays when there's a UFC card, I answer all your DFS strategy questions. I try to like build up a whole bunch of questions. And then once I see things on a certain topic, then I start going over those topics. So submit your questions, questions at theoryofdfs.com. I answered them all, okay? Either I write back to you, I answer it on the show. And if I answer it on the show, even if it's like two weeks from now, I will always email you back saying, hey, you should check out the show today because I covered it just in case you forgot. And we have the titles now on all the episodes. So if you want to find something in the past about a certain subject, it's much more easier to find. And yes, Grant Brown says occupied with poker. Yes, playing poker on Thursday nights now. Right? So don't don't have the time. Had a, had a good night last night. You saw on my Twitter. Uh, Luga85 asked about NFL DFS. Yeah, the, the, there'll be NFL shows later later today on the channel, on the YouTube channel. They have a whole bunch of the Blitz show is coming out. Uh, tournament takes, I guess. I mean, there'll, there'll be plenty of DFS uh, NFL stuff for the for the the. The main slate for, for NFL, FanDuel, if you could play on FanDuel. I don't know if you're using the desktop. FanDuel isn't working very well on the desktop. App isn't that bad. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, so there'll, there'll be all that NFL stuff. Obviously, you get the projections, you get the ownership, get everything premium-wise here at Roto-Grinders by signing up. But uh, the UFC card tomorrow is a doozy. It's a doozy. 15 fights. Okay. So let's look at the contextual variables, right? We talk about contextual variables. We talk about archetypes, like I talk about in the, the theory of DFS, right? In the advanced course, talk about archetypes of a slate, okay? So on a large card for MMA, right? Sometimes we get these like 10 fight cards or like last week, 11 fight. That's kind of a smaller one. Remember, there aren't that many options in, in UFC DFS, right? We have 30 this week. So if you're playing large field, I mean, a lot a lot of the, a lot of the, the consideration is, you know, around duplication, either either full lineup or combinatorial du- duplication. On a 15-fight card, obviously, there are way more combos that you could use, right? So duplication will be lower. Doesn't, doesn't mean it is. That, you know, certain lineups may still be very high-owned. But for the most part, there are going to be more available combos for you to make. Okay? So from a duplication standpoint, especially if you're playing small field, you may not even have to worry that much about it, but also in the context of how the salaries and the lines of the fights are. We have a lot of large favorites on the slate. We have Jelton Almeida at minus 1,000 at 9,700. 
So at 9,700, he needs to be a top six fighter. The highest price fighter must be a top six fighter to make the optimal lineup. And he is the, probably the highest chance of putting up 100 plus points. But at 9,700, you know, if he puts up 105, that may not be good enough. Right. So understand the contextual variables of the slate. We got Josian Nunez at minus 550, Andraj at minus 490, Gilbert Burns minus 485, Cody Stamen minus 330. Gregory Rodriguez minus three ten, Tiago Moses minus three sixty. These are these are big favorites. On any other card, one one like Tiago Moses at minus three sixty could be the ninety five hundred dollar fighter, the, the the biggest, the most expensive fighter on the slate. We got one, two, three, four. We got like six, seven of them on the slate, and then we got a lot of like more closer to the pick them pick them level, right? And also on top of that, we got look at these inside the distance lines. I mean, even even in, in, in the mid range. Right, because Almeida is minus 470. That's an 82% implied probability with the VIG, obviously. Not a no VIG uh, probability. Josian Nunes, 60%. Andrade, 51. Burns, 55. Rodriguez, 67. Moises, 45. Pateria, 55. Johnny Walker at 8,700 is 58%. Terrence McKinney, 51% at 8,500. Jamal Hill. We have the, the both main events are mid range fights. So both five round fights, both championship fights are mid range, which means that, you know, from a floor perspective, like you're probably, you're, you, you are most probably stacking. I mean, like in cash games or something like that, it wouldn't be behoove, behoove to, to stack both of them. You probably stack one. You probably stack the Feg Figueredo Moreno fight in cash. And then you then you, you you pick one of Hill or Teixeira, and then you build your lineup around. You play Almeida, and then you figure it out from there. That would be like the cash lineup in MMA uh, for for tomorrow. So we have all these large favorites. We have high ITDs. I mean, even at the lower level, like we have in the underdog out of the underdogs, we have Dalby plus one ninety five, Teixeira plus one seventy, Ismael Bonefim is plus one forty at seventy seven hundred. Paul Craig and Daniel Marcos are still in the 30s percentage wise. I mean, like a lot of times we don't get we we don't get plus 200s around there, like in this price range. So a lot of these fights are are predicted from a probabilistic standpoint of ending inside the distance. A lot of fights to target, a lot of fighters to target, and not many under. And really, you take a look. Most of the underdogs are are, are fairly hefty underdogs. So what's the what's the context? What's the archetype of this type of slate? Okay, when we have a lot of big favorites, 9K plus big favorites, big, you know, inside the distance lines, not many underdogs. The context is, is that in most likelihood, more likely than not, the winning lineup or the optimal lineup is going to spend most of the salary, right? It's not going to, it, it doesn't predict from a probabilistic standpoint, it doesn't mean it can't happen. But most likely, the winning lineup in GPPs is going to be a 49-5-plus type of lineup. It's not going to be one of those lineups that leaves 1,500, 2,000 on the table. It's quite possible that out of these, like, 9K guys, like, of, of these favorites with these, like, 50-plus percent ITD lines, that we get multiple 100-plus point fighters. Multiple. Maybe multiple plus 120 I mean, we got three fighters that score over 120 on this slate. Which ones? Well, you got to pick the right ones. And we may not get any underdogs 
that put up a big score. Maybe maybe none. We, we, hey, this may be a slate where none of the underdogs, underdogs win, even though there's 15 fights. Maybe we get one or two underdogs. And obviously, to make a lineup on DraftKings, you have to play an underdog. Like, there's, there's no there's no way not to. And if you want to pay up for some of these 9K fighters, you're going to have to play at least one of the lower-priced underdogs. So I think on this type of slate, like, you're prioritizing, like, jamming in high upside. You should be going for wins on a 15-fight card. That's why I said, like, Cody Stamen sticks out like a sore thumb here at 9,200. Like, he'll be lower owned. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be the lowest owned 9K fighter. But his ITD line of plus 305, right, against, uh, who is he fighting? Luan Lacerda? Like, it's just pales in comparison to some of these others. I mean, it's like, it's half, a third as much as some of these other guys. And it's not like you can play all these other guys also. So it's not like the type of thing. It's, if, if Cody Stamen was on an 11 fight card and we had like two other 9K guys that have good ITD lines, it's like, oh, well, instead of playing both of those, I'll play Cody Stamen instead. It's like, no, Cody Stamen has to beat out like all these other guys. Like, like most, like other than one, right? If like Gilbert Burns puts up a big score, like you have Burns and Stamen, but it's like, well, they have to beat out Almeida and Nunes and Aldraj and Rodriguez and Moises and Bateria and Walker and McKinney and Jamal Hill. I mean, like, that plus 305, I don't care. He's a minus 360 favorite. It just, he's not, I, he's not projected to score. This fight most likely goes the distance. I'm more likely to, be, to play Luan Lacerda against him. Because maybe a decision win at 7K is good enough. It may be one of those slates where an underdog that wins is good with 80 or 90 points is good enough, right? Because we may get a lot of big scores out of the top range. And you just need like that one 90 point underdog just to fit in three guys from up here in this range. So that's that, those are the types of lineup constructions I'm looking for. I'm looking for, I want to jam in like probably two 9K level players, lover fighters, probably someone in the mid range or two in the mid range, three in the mid range. And kind of pick out like one guy in the, in the on the bottom, the bottom half, to be to be the guy, the guy that that puts up like ninety points. Now, based on the ownership that we have, we have RG ownership up, and that'll be updated. Moneyball will will update probably that tomorrow morning as well. From a chalk standpoint, Almeida obviously chalky, but he's ninety seven hundred. Understand what Almeida lineups look like. Almeida lineups will have to play like pretty much someone down here. Like, they're going to have to take shots on Melchizedek Costa or, you know, like something like that. Like, down in the bottom end. Now, Jaldon Almeida is, I'm, I mean, I, I can't see him not just absolutely crushing Shamil Abdurakimov. Shamil is what, like 40-plus years old? And he lasts, like, two minutes in the, in the octave. I mean, most of his fights end in two minutes with him getting knocked out. It's hard. It's hard to see, it's hard to see that not happening with Jelton Almeida. Just a matter of how many points he scores in the process. But then you got guys like chalk wise, like Gregory Rodriguez, thirty-two. I have him at thirty-two. We have him at twenty-nine. He'll probably come around thirty. Minus two hundred five inside the distance at ninety-one hundred. Pretty good. But I think his opponent Bruno Ferreira, set seventy-one hundred. 
7,100, he has a plus 330 inside the distance. That is not bad. That's pretty good for that price. Plus, plus this is in Brazil, this UFC pay-per-view. And so a lot of these fighters are, I know Bruno Ferreira is a newcomer. He's on short notice, shorter notice, not like this week. But he's a Brazilian fighter with wrestling background and a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And Gregory Rodriguez has, you know, questionable cardio, questionable fight IQ. He's gotten knocked out cold before. He typically, typically, a lot of times he's he's out striking when he should be wrestling. And also he doesn't face that many wrestlers. So as far as an underdog pick for leverage, I have Bruno Ferreira. If he's going to come in at like 12% owned, I have him as under owned. But I mean, not to buy that much. He's un, He probably should be like more like 16 or 17% owned. And he's probably got, he's going to be facing someone that's going to be like 30 plus percent owned. I expect the com, common constructions will have Almeida, Rodriguez, Johnny Walker, McKinney, right? And then like main event fighters, obviously like both sides of both main events, both ch- championship fights. I think that that's kind of the construction. And if you need an underdog, I think maybe like, Munir Lizez or Paul Craig, Daniel Marcos, kind of like people will try to like fit in there, even in the non-Almeida lineups. Like if you don't play Almeida, then you can, you, you may not have to go lower than like Lizez at 7,400. Or maybe you're playing Luan Lacerda against Stamen. I don't, I don't know how that much upside there is there, but a decision win for 70, 80 points that, I mean, that's possible. People play like Ismail Bonefim. He has a plus 140 for 7,700, right? I have him at 27%, right? But that's kind of semi-mid-range. But the fighters that I'm looking at compared to ownership is that, you know, not many people are going to play like Joe, these two women, 9,500, 9,400, Nunes and Andrade. But I mean, their matchups are like cupcake matchups. I mean, Nunes could easily just knock the hell out of Zara Fain. And Lauren Murphy may put up a fight for a round. I mean, but I I see Andrade just crushing her. So maybe those are the fights. Maybe pick one of those. But I mean, they'll be like, I could see them being like 20-ish percent owned. But then you have guys like Gilbert Burns. I, I mean, I have, I have Gilbert Burns under owned at 18%. That he probably He probably should be 22 to 24%. And he's up against Neil Magny, and typically a lot of a lot of a lot of like longtime UFC DFS players don't like playing the guys against Neil Magny because Magny is not a bad fighter, and typically you know is durable enough to to last. And Gilbert Burns is probably more more of a ground threat, and Magny ain't bad with the submission defense. Right, but also Gilbert Burns can come out. And, I mean, it's in Brazil. That's why I said I'm, I'm like. When in doubt, when in doubt, if you see the Brazilian flag on, on your drafting screen and you're like on a 50-50, take the Brazilian flag. Take the home, the home field advantage, maybe. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at like Nunes, Andrade, Burns, right? Maybe Fade Rodriguez. I mean, you could, you could put him in lineups. Yeah, but I mean, you're going to have to find, you know, chalk to fade elsewhere. I have Ihor Pateria as underowned. He's facing uh, Shogun Rua. Obviously a big name, right? Mauricio Rua. But, uh, I mean, he's old. He's past his prime. Slow as hell. 
Bateria can knock him out, right? I mean, this fight is like boom or bust. Like, Bateria Rua, like, if five minutes go by and they enter the second round, you, you ain't scoring good, right? This is like first round or bust type of stuff, but it doesn't seem like the field is going that much there, especially at 8,900. I'm not sure how owned Pateria is going to be. I have him at 20. But I wouldn't be shocked if someone gets a first-round knockout in this fight. Then you have Johnny Walker as a nice inside-the-distance line at 8,700 facing Paul Craig. But, of course, Paul Craig, I mean, he could, Paul Craig has, has, has lucked out submissions many countless times. I don't consider Johnny Walker to be that great, but, I mean, Paul Paul Craig also has, like, he absorbs 8 million strikes. I mean, like, Paul Craig is on the feet against Johnny Walker, probably probably gets, you're going you're gonna to see a lot of damage. He takes a lot of damage. But if he could get Walker to the ground, I mean, Paul Craig could win this fight. I think the floor is low. Obviously, Walker is more of a, you know, stand-up striker. So it's like, is he, is he going to have that much upside from a, from a ground game? No. But I think Walker will be popular because of his price. I mean, it's more of a price play. He's in the mid-range, and he's a nice inside-the-distance line. And you could say the same with Terrence McKinney. I think that the McKinney-Bonfim fight, the Ismail-Bonfim, not Gabriel-Bonfim fight, I think that's another one to target. But understand, like, McKinney-Ismail-Bonfim is like, once it goes past five minutes, you're you're, you're done. Right? You ain't going to score 100 points, probably. Right? McKinney's more of a first-round or bust, you know, stand-up striker. Ismail-Bonfim, kind of kind of similar. Right? I mean, look at these inside the distance lines in one fight. Minus 105 and plus 140. This fight is the most likely to end inside the distance. So taking one side of here, especially in the mid-range, right? It's $8,500, fight. I'll probably side more with the underdog, especially if I'm trying to fit in these kind of contrarian 9K picks in. And then we have like the main events, the, the two five-round fights. If you go if you go back and and study like all of the DraftKings slates ever where there's been two five round fights predominantly the optimal lineup has a winning fighter from one but not necessarily two some two but mostly one very rarely zero okay and on this slate both these fights are in the mid range Jamal Hill, 8,400. Glover Chichera, 7,800. Devson Figueredo, 8,200. Brandon Moreno, 8,000. These are five-round fights. I mean, if Figueredo-Moreno fight, especially, if it goes five rounds, it's it's hard not to see. One of them scoring 90. Is that going to be enough on this slate, though? It's quite possible It's not that, that 90 at 8K isn't enough. It's quite possible that 7,800 Glover Chichera, third-round submission win, for 96 points, maybe that's not it. Maybe maybe it isn't. From a floor perspective, I love I love this range. I love yeah the five round fights. Great. Am I going to get frisky and have zero of either fight? I don't know. It feels it feels it feels like that would be plus EV. It feels like it, but also high variance. Now I'm playing smaller field stuff. So I think I'm going to have one five-round fighter in, in all my lineups. 
So I don't think I I don't need to score the optimal and have the op the, the most amount of leverage by playing lineups with zero of them. But I'm going to avoid having two two you know play playing a Jamal Hill Brandon Moreno lineup like that type of thing because you're going to just get led into so many other other fighters and you're going to combinatorically your ownership is going to be very tied to other other fighters even in small field in large field I think. Feel free to take some shots on lineups that have neither five round, no five round fighters in it. It's a 15 fight card, 11 fight card. Yeah, it's hard to avoid it. But now that we have more fights and especially ones that could put up 120 points, even in the mid range, let's say Jamal goes out and knocks out uh, Glover Chichera in the second round and scores 95 points for 8,400. Well, what happens if McKinney just goes out and knocks out and knocks out Ismail Bonefim in the first round and scores 110. Like, okay, Jamal Hill ain't going to be in the optimal lineup anymore. Right? There's going to be a lot of, fi- I mean, look at these lines. A lot of finishes. That's what it seems like. This is ridiculous. A lot of big favorites and a lot of big ITD lines. So I ain't playing guys, I ain't I ain't playing Stamen or Worley Alves. I ain't playing guys with, with that limited finishing ability except if they're like low priced underdogs because i i don't based on the betting lines i don't want to say i think but based on the betting lines the the winning lineup tomorrow in gpps is most likely 49 5 plus close to 50k and only contains like like one winning underdog to contains the only two winning underdogs on the entire slate that's the only way you could fit in everyone. Like that's the most likely occurrence. But you will see, you'll still see plenty, plenty of people leaving eighteen hundred in salary. I think that's a mistake, even in large field. I think it's just getting the right combinations because you have all these fighters to choose from. You know how many combinations you can make of Almeida, Nunes, Andrade, Burns, Rodriguez, Moises, Pateria. Bonfield, Gabriel Bonfim, Walker. I mean, like, like there's so many combos. Even spending and like 49.5 plus. And then you just have to get the one like underdog, right? Like if if, if Melina Lizez wins, like that may be optimal. Luan Lacerda wins. And Bruno Ferreira wins. Lauren Murphy pulls it out against Jessica Andrade and scores 85 points at 6,800. That may be in the optimal line. I don't like, I mean, the underdogs that from a statistical standpoint and a betting line perspective aren't very good. They aren't very good. Is this the type of slate where you, you leave 2K on the table? I, I can't, I can't see how you could possibly do that. Of course I say that. And then you get 17 underdogs. Win tomorrow. I don't think, look at the, I mean, look at these lines on my spreadsheet. It's ridiculous. But yeah, according to my spreadsheet right now with ownership, which I will be updating tomorrow morning. From an under-owned perspective, under-owned based on projection, based on ceiling, based on inside the distance lines, based on win, based on all of these factors, Jelna Meda is going to be like 40% owned, and I still think he's, he's going to be under-owned. It's just a matter of, does he put up enough points at 9,700 to be optimal? But actually, I have Josie on Nunes under-owned at I have Josian Nunes underowned at 21%. I 
I have Gilbert Burns under-owned at 18%. I have uh, Ihor Pateria under-owned at 20%, right? I have Nicholas Dalby in the 7,900 range, right around those main event fighters, plus 195 inside the distance. I have him as under-owned at 13%. If he comes in at 13. I have Paul Craig under-owned at 16. I've even Shogun Rua at like 13. I have a, a bit under-owned. Probably should be more like 15 or 16. And I have Bruno Ferreira. Like to me, my under, if I were to choose an underdog to play, it's Bruno Ferreira. Like that, 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 that's going to be my underdog. In my eight lineups, I may have him in four of them. Leverage off of Gregory Rodriguez, who will be popular. Plus 330 inside the distance, 7,100. Has a ceiling, has grappling. Submissions, I mean, he could score points on DraftKings. And I have him as under-owned, under-owned at 12%. He probably should be closer to 17, 18%. That's what I have as under-owned. Over-owned? I have the Figueredo Moreno fight. Basically, basically, basically both made it, both five round fights. I pretty much have over owned, especially the Figueredo Moreno fight. Figueredo at thirty one percent, Moreno at thirty eight percent. I have his over owned. It's unlikely to end inside the distance. That's why Jamal Hill. Kind of, I mean, Jamal the Hill Teixeira fight is like. Slightly less than efficiently owned. Slightly over-owned. Slightly, but not that much. If Cody Stamen's going to be 11%, I actually have him as over-owned at 11%. I mean, if, if, if he ends up being 6%, that's a different story. But like even at 11%, I'm, hey, I'm, the, I'm the person that's like, oh, the 9K fighter, no one's going to play. I'll play him for leverage. There's, there's so many other, I could play Gilbert Burns. With like a, more than twice the likelihood of winning inside the distance. So why not just do that? That's what I'm looking at here. Overowned underdogs? Like I have Munir Lezez overowned at 18%. Let's see. Anyone else that's like really sticks out? Obviously, like if a Durakima, like even like <laughs> a du- Shamil at like even 4% on maybe overowned. Zara Farron, this this girl facing uh, Josian Nunez. I have it nine percent in overall. Lauren Murphy, Neil Magny at eight percent, a little bit overall. Luan Lacerda at thirteen percent. I have overall. Probably should be ten. A lot of stuff in the middle is give or take. Nothing that stands out completely. Probably Jamal Hill. Yeah, well, that's I talked about the Hill to share fight. McKinney, I need to really weigh down what the ownership is going to be. I have him at 27%, but that's around efficient. It's about efficiently owned. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be building lineups that tip are gonna go up and down. Probably play someone like like if I go to the MMA builder, let's see. What type of lineup am I gonna build? Something with like Bruno Ferreira. There you go. So we got a $7,100 fighter there. Maybe we get another. We get uh, Ismail Bonefiend against McKinney. Something like that, right? We got 8800 remaining salary, right? I take one main event fighter. Maybe I take Jamal Hill. Is that going to be good? 
Jamal Hill, 89-3. Something like this. I'm looking through. Maybe we could even take Shashir, right? Or take Moreno or take whatever, okay? Take Brandon Moreno, 90-67. Take Dalby, right? And now we have 96-50. Now we could do Almeida and Nunes, right? There you go. Done. Pereira, Bonfim, Ismail Bonfim, Moreno, Dalby, Almeida, Nunes. If you don't want to play that, you could always go like Jamal Hill instead of Almeida, and you have 9,400, and you could play Andrade or Gilbert Burns or something like that. Like, these are what my lineups are going to kind of look like. That's what I'm aiming for. Take one bigger underdog. Take, like, kind of three in the mid-range, in the lower mid-range. And then two 9K fighters. And hopefully I get the right 2K. Hopefully I get the right 9K fighters. Right. If I have a lineup that doesn't have Almeida in it, I'm just going to go, okay, I hope Almeida just finishes him one minute and five seconds in with a submission and scores like 97 points. Or something like that. And then if I have Almeida, like, dude, just knock him out in 13 seconds. Go for it. Go for it, dude. You're a beast. But I think this is more of the line of construction that I'm going for. And if I don't play Ferreira down here, maybe I play a, a Lacerda. Maybe I play, maybe I take a shot on Shogun. Ah, that's so tough. Huh. But I don't think I touch, I don't think I touch Magni, Murphy, Farron, and Abdurahim. I don't think I, I just X them out. Maybe Lacerda is the lowest I go. Yeah, I think that's it. Does anyone have any questions? If you got any questions, put them in the YouTube chat before we get out of here. We got a lot of content, a lot of content on the channel today. NFL playoffs, NBA, Grinders Live and Crunch Time later today. They'll be taking care of you. Five o'clock Eastern, 6.30 Eastern, leading up to another, another wonderful NBA DFS slate. And, uh, and, and as usual, right, outside of Fridays, now, I answer your DFS strategy questions, so send them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com on anything you want, anything. I'll answer them all. And if you want to learn more about contextual variables and archetypes, how do you view a slate? Like, How did I know that it's more likely that this slate uh, is going to be you know, more like 49.5 plus type of lineups? More likely to be high, very high scoring type of lineups, right? By the slate size, by the slate dynamic, by the salary structure. You could judge that and learn learn about all those contextual variables in the theory for DFS, theory of DFS for advanced players, which includes custom Excel tools designed by James McCool. So you could pick that up, theoryofdfs.com. Hit that thumbs up button, the thummy thumbs on your way out the door and I'll be back. I'll be back on Monday. Because I'm here every week, weekday answering your questions about DFS strategy on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>